introduce us. All right, recording is in progress. Okay. Do we have any background noise? This is Chug so. from New London Spicy Area. Enjoying this beautiful weekend. <laughs> uh, welcome to our podcast. What's it called? Do you remember what it's called? Meantime, how would you like to get back on track and introduce us to Shark? Oh, welcome back to Perspective Paradox. Today we're going to be talking to Shar. We're going to ask you, our listeners, to step in her shoe. Thanks for joining Krisha and I. If you could just take a moment and let our audience know a little bit about yourself and what brought you here with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, uh, Charlotte. I am in a traditionally male-dominant field. Um, I was an automotive technician uh, right out of tech school where I took automotive technologies. Did that for about eight years and then pursued a degree in electronics engineering, pursued a repair technician for CNC equipment, which is computer number control equipment. After doing that for several years, I went and pursued a position in management. And my last position was managing a heavy equipment construction service garage. And prior to that, I was a supervisor for bus maintenance for five years as well. So my entire career has been in a non-traditional field. Wow, that is definitely impressive. And you've done a lot of stuff. I can't wait to hear a little bit more about that. Before we even get into that, give us a picture. What has shaped your perspective of who you became? Sure. As a teenager in high school, I had options to take Know Your Car or Psychology. And I really didn't want to learn about psychology. So I took Know Your Car. So that was when I was about 15. And then after that, Again, did not really care for the electives that were offered. So in high school, I took Automotive 1 and Automotive 2. And actually, I was the first female to graduate senior high with both Automotive 1 and Automotive 2. So I took it for two years there. And I was really glad that I had this information. I come from a divorced family. And my first car was like, you know, the good old $500 car. And when it wouldn't start one day, I made a couple phone calls to service garages to see how much a starter would be to replace. And, you know, they were telling me somewhere between 300 and 500. Well, after that, I just called the parts store and asked them how much the starter was. The starter was $67. So I'm like, hmm, I'm going to give this a try. So that was a bit of the start of my career. And I just saw that there was a, a lot of value in automotive repair. And then I was encouraged by my dad to get into a trade. He said, if you have a trade, you'll never go hungry. And that was very true uh, when we went through some difficult times in 03, and not 03, but 08, when we had an economic crash. A lot of my friends were losing jobs. And because I had a trade, I was able to work and work in my garage and get through as a homeowner, single parent homeowner, and just very grateful that I did have a trade at that time. Yeah, my dad had said the same kind of thing to me. Now, I didn't listen, and that's a different story of the things that I did and how I got here. <laughs> Our lucky listeners will get to hear that as we go through all of this. What year was that? The cost that you're saying, like you're graduating, I'm going to guess it must have been in the 90s. Yeah, graduated in 96. 
Oh, I graduated in 96 too. All right. Yeah. I did not take auto tech and I hardly went to school. What is your perspective about women working in what is traditionally a man's job? Uh, I've been in a traditionally male role for over 20 some years now. And just over the years, it's not as uncommon as it was. I was a pregnant mechanic for both my children. So that was an, a sight to see for some people when I was working on cars and I had a couple people, customers saying, I got to go home and tell my wife there's a pregnant mechanic working on my car. Um, <laughs> a lot of the stigmas that women can't be in traditionally male roles are in the past more and more. There's no discouragement for women to get into the trades, rather a lot of encouragement. So I, I see that uh, the embracing of, you know, doing something that you want to do or that you felt feel led to do is, is more open these days. Like I said, it was about, let's see, 96. This was 25 years ago. In high school, I was encouraged to take the courses in tech school, I did have one instructor tell me that a woman has no place in this field. And he was an older gentleman that was a drill sergeant in the military where there was no woman. So he had a lot of old mentality. So I did face a couple of oppositions here and there, but you just, you have to be thick skinned. I knew I was entering into a male dominated field. And I just didn't let anything discourage me. So coming in as a field service technician, I would go in to repair customers' equipment. And of course, I would get the, you're going to fix my machine. And I said, you know, yes, sir. And I would go in there and I just always felt that there was a little extra pressure for me to do things accurately and right because I couldn't blend in with, oh, one of your techs was here. It's like, oh, that, that chick tech was here. So I always put a very high standard on my work quality, not just because of that, but I wanted to do things right. I wasn't there, you know, just to have a job. I loved what I did every day. It was, it was great being a technician, being a mechanic. There was always something different, always something new, always something challenging mentioned that you had the one person you ran into that was like, oh, women don't belong here. And that was in college, right? In tech school? Correct. And, and so in high school, did you have male instructors? And, and you said you were the only female in the class. Like, weren't people giving you a hard time? In high school, there was actually one other female. But just because we were female didn't mean that we, like, hung out or whatever. I mean, there was two females in the class. Girls don't just hang out with each other all the time because they're girls. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, and maybe it was a little bit of me. I never had sisters growing up, so I always could have conversations with the boys. It was very easy for me. When I was in tech college, there was one also. Um, and then when I went for my electronics engineering, there was also one other female that I did connect with. She taught me how to online shop. Um <laughs> I thought she was crazy for putting her credit card on the computer. I was like, what are you doing? But yeah, so there that there has been that one instance where I connected with uh, that one woman. But I guess, yeah, like I said, it was always hard for me to connect with women just because I 
I had brothers growing up. I never talked about shopping. I never talked about shoes. I never talked about makeup. It was always like, ooh, what are you talking about? Cars, trucks, ooh, you know. The guys didn't give you crap or the girls in school didn't give you crap. I never got a lot of resistance. I actually made a lot of good lifetime friends um, in tech school. People that I, you know, could call today and say, hey, how's it going? Did a little side work for a couple of them in their service garages and their brothers and their families. And um, yeah, I built a lot of good relations to, with the people I worked with. I guess I was just kind of one of the guys. They didn't really see me as different either, which was nice. You know, every once in a while you'd get the cat call or the, you know, ooh, nice rear end. It's like, yeah, I'm working on a differential. I get it. You're funny. Right, right. <laughs> Nice. That's a great joke. My my husband is a mechanic, so I'll have to save that one in my pocket just to surprise him. There you go. There has been evidence that when females do work in these fields, they often experience stressors. And now those stressors can be from the work setting, people that you work with. There's also stre uh, stressors or those that look down upon f other females because you're not in a traditional role. Take someone that works in the office, a female that works in the office, they tend to think down on someone like you. Have you experienced that? Wow. Um, Sorry, it's a loaded question. Yeah, no, and I'm thinking back to when I first started as an automotive technician, my first job working on cars, the HR lady and I got along famously. We're still friends on Facebook. And that was my first job in 97 at the dealership. The front clerk there, she and I got along great uh, working for the CNC company, got along great with the, with the HR personnel. No, I can't say that I have. I think a lot of women that I've encountered like to see what I'm doing because it empowers other people to do it. The only time that I got any resistance from another female is when I did go to visit some technicians at my previous job, uh, there was a, a girl working in the service garage where I worked. I think I was the first female technician there. I don't know. Being in the role I was so long ago, there was a lot of firsts that I just don't even know what a lot of them I don't remember, but I just went up and introduced myself and, you know, told her who I was and told her that I used to work there. And she's like, yeah, it's <laughs> just like, all right, well, I thought we could talk, but I guess not. <laughs> I'm getting the feel or the idea that, you know, you just, if there was an impact of you being a female in these roles, like you just didn't feel it or it didn't affect you necessarily. Have you over your lifetime run into women who have told you like that oh i'm treated unfairly because i'm a woman women who say this happened to me or i can't get this job because i'm a woman or they hired me only because i'm a woman have you heard those kind of stories actually when i was at metro transit there was a building maintenance guy that came up to me and he goes well you know why you're here right and i'm like well because i'm awesome at my job and he says, no, it's because you're female. And I was like, well, whether they hire me because I'm female or not, again, I just put really high standards on myself because I knew I would always stick out. And I always just tried to do the best job I could. So 
I said to him, I said, well, whether they did or didn't, they made a good choice, you know? So I guess I was just maybe, you know, kill them with confidence. I can do it. I mean, Rosie the Riveter, we can do this. <laughs> so I guess those things, when I ever am encountered with them, I guess I use them as fuel to say, I don't care what you think. This is what I'm doing and this is who I am. And, you know, people are always going to talk. They're always going to have something to say. Maybe he was applying for my position and I don't know that he was applying for my position and he didn't get it. I mean, sometimes there's things that we don't know uh, that make people react in a way. I guess it made me very tough. Even, you know, my daughter says to me, you know, mom, you have no emotion. And I'm like, well, I just really couldn't in any field I was. It was there was no crying in mechanics, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I'm going to pull another study by the Journal of Applied Psychology, and it basically states this, that successful women in these male-dominated roles are perceived as more selfish, manipulative, untrustworthy, and basically a bitch. Hmm. Your thoughts? Wow. Hmm. Thoughts are your bitch, Krisha. Yeah, bitch thing to say. Well, (laughs) I'm trying to. I guess my experience has been so different, and maybe it's just your perception. Um, I'm sure there are times where people have called me a bitch. I mean, whether I want to be emotional or not, I still am female, and I still have you know that awesome once a month. I'm a raging bee, and you know, every I think everybody has their days and their times where they're just not a nice, happy, great person, whether you're male or female. I don't think that everybody thought I was untrustworthy. Like I said, I just, I knew there was always a spotlight on me. So I just did everything I could. You know, if I was asked to do a job, I was given advice in tech school. If I was asked to do a job, show them you're hungry and you'll get fed. So anything they asked me to do, it was the crappiest job nobody wanted. I would always take it. And when times got slow, I always got work. So, you know, there's just a lot of things that built me up to be extremely resilient. And I never wanted to make enemies. I mean, if anything, I need these people on my side to help me out. Because, again, being female in a male role, there, there are differences physically in the female body that I just didn't have the strength that a lot of men had. So I had to ask these guys for help once in a while, and they'd give me shit. But you know, I just give it right back to him. So it's, you know, I had to make friends. I noticed you've said you have a son and a daughter. Do you have just one of each? Two I brought into the world, two I inherited. Have they ever struggled with or commented on the role that you have? The oldest one comments quite often. She's like, I don't know how you do it. It's just, you're so amazing. And, you know, she's she's an entrepreneur and a go-getter. So I think it's good for her to see that you can be and do whatever you want. You know, there is no stigma. And then, like I said, my, my one daughter, she thinks, she's like, mom, I know you're a mechanic and you have no emotion, but can you just please try to have some feelings right now? So she tells me when I'm supposed to be emotional. Um, <laughs> and then the son, he's interested in mechanics and knows that we really support him. He's messed around with some small engine stuff. And then the other daughter, she's a military wife. She's a, a homemaker and she's got a beautiful baby girl. She made us grandparents first. Oh, 
They're all very supportive. We've also heard you say several things that you've done to support yourself in this journey, just to work hard, be aware. And some of that I, I hear you saying too, is not necessarily female, male, but some of it might just be your work ethic and who you are as a person. If you were in a traditionally female role, which like in the fifties, a secretary or a nurse, I think you'd work just as hard. Have you done anything specifically just to support yourself during this career? Like, was there mentors you sought out or that came to you? Obviously your education you've talked about, but self-care or anything like that? Oh, self-care. You know, so not really uh, with the self-care. I guess, like you said, I have a very strong work ethic. So I find the most value in working and seeing things get done. There was a time when I transitioned from a technician to management role that I really struggled with not feeling like I was doing anything because I was sitting in an office, um, making phone calls, doing paperwork, putting in orders. As a technician, you get to have that sense of accomplishment every day. You know, something comes in broken, you go to a customer site, something's broken, you leave and it's fixed. I guess I didn't really understand the value of that in my position until I started transitioning to management. So that was hard. Um, I, I talked to my spouse at the time. I'm like, I just don't feel like I'm doing anything. So just really, you know, talking it out. And he's like, what you're doing is really needed and really valuable. You know, talking about it, I guess, is about all I did as far as self-care. I guess I've had a long career, so I got a lot to say. There was a mentor program at the Metropolitan Council when I was there, and I took opportunity. It was the first time they'd done it. It was a pilot. I participated in that both as a mentee and a mentor. First time as a mentee, my mentor was the director of transit. He taught me a lot more about the operational aspect of business, which I became strongly interested in and was grateful for that because I could maybe understand the value of leadership a little bit better. And then after being mentored by him, I offered to be a mentor to somebody as a technician. There was a female that was going from a driver to a technician role. So I, I, I kind of talked her into doing it, not talked her into doing it, but she was at a standstill. She was driving a bus for 15 years and she was a great person, had you know great personality. She was interested in learning about mechanics. I'm like, why don't you just do it? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, what's holding you back? I said, you got an easy transition from driver to mechanic. And I said, and then maybe someday you want to be a manager. And she's like, you know, that kind, of, that kind of sounds nice. So really encouraged her to, you know, pursue that. And yeah, at today, she's a mechanic there now. And I connect with her once in a while. And she's very happy she made the transition. I think the biggest thing for women in non-traditional roles is feeling like they can't do it initially. And I guess I probably broke that at a real young age. And so I never... I never had that. I can't do it. You know, the older we get, I think we are more careful with what we do and what we decide because when we're young, I think we're a little bit more fearless and like, oh, we can do anything we want, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's true. When you're talking about the mentor-mentee thing too, do you feel like it matters? You had a male mentor and you had a female mentee. Do you feel like there's importance or value that if you're in this non-traditional role that a, a female should be lined up with a female where possible? 
I think it uh, depends on what the relationship mentor-mentee is. Sometimes it's not an option. Like for me, we had to put some things that we were interested in and all my managers above me were all male. So having a female mentor, it wasn't even an option. Being paired with somebody that's highly skilled and knowledge in that area, I think that was really important to me. But on the flip side, I think if you can find somebody in the expertise and pair them up with uh, male, female, if that's, you know, their desire, especially if they're going into a non-traditional field, I think it's very beneficial. Because like I said, this, you know, having the female saying, you know, I don't know if I can do it. And I'm like, you can do it. You, you just have to want to. To hear it from somebody who's been through it, I think is is monumental for to hear it from somebody who's been through it and done it. They're like, well, she can do it. I can do it. For sure. Krisha, what percentage of mechanics are female? Actually, it's one of the lower ends of uh, the jobs in these roles that uh, some jobs such as electricians and service technicians and mechanics have too few women employed to even compare earnings to other uh, numbers. I can tell you right now, it's what it looks like. You're, you're under 10%. You're close to 5% of the field being females through looking at a lot of different numbers. One of the lowest jobs that have females in it would be the firefighters. And then next you're looking more at uh, mechanics, construction. Um, when you start getting into the office setting, I guess, with computers, that's when you see a rise. Hmm. So I uh, found that interesting. What I also found interesting was your statement really about they can't start in this industry because they feel like there's a barrier. And I did read some studies, which actually states why some of these numbers are low is that sense of not being able to start something, not being able to start going to tech school or a trade school, because one, you have over 75%, if not closer to 85% of your class will be male. I mean, just hearing that from you and then looking at what I find with the numbers and stuff like that, what are your thoughts? I could very much see it being an intimidating factor. You know, people go to school to learn and sometimes people are in tech school for the degree. So when I was in tech school, there were certainly people that had worked on vehicles their whole life since they were, you know, children. And they were very good at figuring things out, repairing things. Whereas I was very new to the, the industry. So it was a little intimidating at first. And I, I guess there was times that I, I was hesitant on doing things or trying things in school because I didn't want to look dumb. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I have to learn this. The things that I remember struggling with a lot were electronics. That was really hard to grasp, powers and grounds. And I'm looking at this and it was like a simple circuit. And I'm like, I should be able to figure this out. These guys are figuring this out. No problem. But yeah, it was, there were times where it was intimidating, but this is also where I learned that if you fail and you learn the hard way, you don't forget. So I was told this little tidbit of information and it's very true that once you struggle through something, it kind of sticks on how to do it. Just being prepared that, you know, you're not the only one that 
doesn't know everything in the classroom. There are other people and there was other people in the classes in school that were struggling just as much as I on some of these things. I think it's hard for anybody to push themselves over the edge and explore new roles, new territory, whether it's predominantly male or not. But I think it's a lot easier to talk yourself out of as a female. Like you said, it's more the labor trades rather than probably engineering trades or CAD designers or software engineers, I'm sure. It's hard to get people into the trades as it is right now, um, let alone encouraging, you know, for a woman to get into the trades. I also found, which is kind of interesting, it seems that, and granted, this is just a survey, so I'll take it as is, that actually harassment occurs more in the schools during that trade school than it does in the workforce. I'm not saying you have experienced it, but I want to do get your take on it. Is it because you were in a manager role? So understanding that component being a manager, also being a tech and also going through the school, is that something that could be possible? Yes. I guess you, you know, define harassment. It could be, you know, verbal, physical, it could be a lot of different things. I guess I have experienced those things in every single one of my roles in the trades. Like I said, it's predominantly male and I had to you know, decide what's going to offend me and what's not, you know, I knew I was at a place and there were going to be some things I heard that I probably didn't want to hear. I guess my boundary that I created with myself is that if it's not directed towards me and I really have no business saying anything, you know, if I hear some guys talking some raunchy stories, I just walk away. You know, there's no shortage of those in my world. As a manager now, I have a take on it a little differently. You know, if they start talking inappropriately, I'm like, nope, not in here, not in my office. Get out of here with that talk. You know, I have a little more direction where I can tell them to leave rather than me leaving. You know, if there is reports of that, I, I guess I could have been offended so many times and claimed, you know, inappropriate um, conversations. Like I said, I had to make that determination with myself, like, you know, what is my boundary? You know, and then every once in a while, somebody calls me a bitch. Well, you know, sometimes you are being a bitch. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I went to a customer's place and he like grabbed me and did something weird, of course, I would say something or do something. But, you know, if I walk in and say, well, this is the best looking mechanic I've seen, I'd be like, hey, thanks. You know, that was a compliment. So, I mean, again, that I could have taken offensively, but. Like I said, I knew I was in a traditionally male role, so I had to determine what I was going to tolerate and what I wasn't going to tolerate. So on that topic, because I think that that's a really good point and it's a great perspective. If you're mentoring someone or if you're just talking to another female or woman who wants to be in this career, would you feel the need to say to them, look, you're going to do this, like buck up. And, you know, like, is that a big thing that has to be known that, you know, you should mind your own unless it affects you? It's something that may come up in conversation, but yeah, I guess I can't tell people how to respond and I can't tell them, you know, what is, what their level of sensitivity is with, with culture in general. When you have an established culture and you put something that's out of the norm, 
it's going to take a long time before there are any gradual changes. One gradual change that I can say for sure that I've seen in the years that I've been a technician is the tool companies would always every year give out calendars with women in bikinis or even, you know, undressed. And the technician, I saw them all over the place. They were all over the shop. And I just, if I didn't like it, again, I just didn't look. I never said, well, we can't have those because that's offensive. Didn't even think twice about it. It was like, oh, that's their deal. But now in service garages, there is none in any one that I've been in in the past probably seven, five, seven years. So that's one of the cultural norms that was normal. Um, and I think it takes, you know, just time and enforcement by management, human resources, communication about what could be offensive, what is offensive. Because the company needs to protect themselves from subjecting, you know, employees to, you know, offensive behavior or workplace. So on that track, we're pretty much in the same generation, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that we were born and raised and experienced. Last five or seven years, if you think about it, it's really the beginning stages of the millennial generation. Those in, that were born in the late 80s, right? Do you think it's because of that change that, you know, you're seeing that change within it? So yeah, Krisha, we're both Gen X where just in leadership management training, I learned about generational differences and what made Gen X, what made baby boomers. So Gen X, we were the first generation to be latchkey kids. Um, we were at home after school because both parents were working where baby boomers, you know, there was always mom at home that was traditional. So Generation X, we are the first ones to kind of start tackling life on our own, making our own food, getting jobs earlier. And I think that's where a lot of our work ethic comes from is by necessity, not because we wanted to, because we had to. The millennial generation has been defined as culturally different because of the way that they have been awarded and recognized and taught in schools. A lot of the participation awards or you showed up, you get an award. They need a lot of recognition. So I actually have a lot of training on how to encourage millennials. And a lot of it is, you know, pointing out the little things that they do because they are used to hearing all these little things. And like I said, participation awards. Okay, great. I'm glad you participated. So it has created a different culture and a lot more sensitive culture. So could it be? Why? Maybe. Could it be that our culture is just becoming more sensitive in general to, I think, respectful, you know, workplaces? I think that's a really, that's been really been a push for a while. The latest is, you know, equality, you know, making sure that people have opportunity that they normally wouldn't, regardless of who they are or what their capabilities are. I think just a lot of awareness about how companies want their workplaces to operate has helped encourage those, you know, cultural changes. What locations were you when you took on these jobs? So as a service technician, worked in a very high volume Chevrolet dealership. 
um, as a technician working on CNCs, um, worked in the Metro Twin City area, uh, very high volume working on the Haas line, which is a very, it's made in California, very popular in the United States because it was made in the United States. Um, and then in my management roles, a small two-bay shop in the Lake Minnetonka area. And then again, a high volume service garage in the city, Minneapolis, St. Paul. My last management job working as a service manager was in the suburbs. It's a heavy construction clientele. Most of my positions have been high volume dealership atmosphere. The most recent role I took is a parts specialist. I've been in service my whole life and I wanted to experience what the parts side was like. I don't know if I'm just at a point in my career where service is something I've done for so long. I know so much about. I'm looking for maybe the more operational overview of everything that is entailed within a service garage. And I'm in a smaller town of 26,000 people. It's equivalent to a small town in Minnesota, like... Alexandria? Yeah, like Alexandria. <laughs> Perfect. In rural South Dakota, uh, my experience is different because the culture, I have a, a culture that is probably... 10, 15 years behind what, I, what I've experienced. Um, so I have not been really well received. People are still trying to figure me out, like, why are you here from the cities? And what are you doing in our farming community area? And what do you know about a combine? <laughs> <laughs> but over time, they're learning that I'm here to help them. And again, do the best that I can to, to make sure they get what they need. So um, it, it's just, it's been a very uh, humbling experience as well, going from management to a an hourly wage role as a part specialist. Um, but it's been a great experience just to be on that other side that I haven't been on for a long time. Yeah, great experience, but interesting to say the With least. With all this knowledge and experience, when are you going to open up your own shop? You know, I think about it, if I, if I could, I'd open a Volvo dealership because I love Volvos. <laughs> oh, Volvo. I just, I, I think I need a lot more funding than what's in my account to, to start a dealership, but maybe somebody out there would want to contribute to some funding. Like you said, I've been on all aspects and I, I love the business. I love the industry. I love, you know, making sure people are up and running and that's, that's just what I've done my whole life. Volvos are safe cars. I just want to point that out. And usually Perfect. when you get a Volvo, you will never buy a different manufacturer. Have you had a Volvo? Came very close. Well, I was just wondering because I'm like, you don't have one now. I have known people that have Volvos. I actually knew one person. He would get a new Volvo every two years. Whenever the new one came out, basically he would go and get it. There was a time in his life he didn't have it because he was overseas. But when he came back over, he uh, traded in his old bubble and got a new one. I know other couple of people through work that that's how they drive. 
Yeah, I had a Volvo for about six months and I got into an accident with it. I was going down the highway. I was hit. I was spun around on the highway and I walked away. Had I not been in that Volvo, I probably would have rolled my car because I was going so fast and the person that hit me, it all happened so fast. The vehicle did incur a lot of damage. It was totaled out in numbers, but being a mechanic, guess what? I figured out how to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Um, And now my daughter is driving it and I'm 100% just, I feel really good that she's driving it because I know how safe of a vehicle it is. They're the best. They got a great ride. They're comfortable. And yeah, they are super safe. I have a 2020 Ford. I'll take my 2008 Volvo. I will take that over my 2020 Fusion any day. Well, that is quite the plug for Volvo. So I think we're going to leave that in. And then if there's anyone who works for Volvo listening that wants to pay us for this episode, go ahead and get a hold of us. We'll leave our information here. At the- <laughs> I, uh, you just sold me a Volvo. I think I might go out. <laughs> Uh, we just got done paying off our car. So, oh, did Volvo you? dealership, here I come, right? Yep, they're yeah. the best. So I know you had mentioned that one of your dealerships you worked for went bankrupt and was sold out. What happened when that occurred? That's when I went back to school for electronics engineering because being the one who always took the crap jobs, it was always the weird electrical problems. I had an opportunity to partake in, there was a program they were offering. And if you agreed to a two-year community college, they would pay for a degree. So I took full advantage of that and got my degree in electronics engineering. Because again, I'm like, hmm, there's money in this. Nobody wants to do it. So I'm going to do it. Uh, (laughs) That's some smart thinking. Definitely a different path from how I got where I am today. Uh, As our last guest said, you know, just sometimes you go where the wind blows you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's where I went. Where the wind <laughs> females going to school has basically jumped forty percent, if not more, since nineteen seventies. Nowadays, when you're younger, females are less likely to get a part time job, get that that first time job. And it's also the same case between twenty and twenty four. You don't start seeing an increase until you get past age 25 and you get closer to 30. One of the things that I'm curious is, do you think it's because of opportunities and to a point where we have now more females in school and there's actually a decline in men going into school? Okay, so if I'm understanding right, more females are going into school, less are entering the workforce at a young age. Yeah. And the majority of females in the workplace today are 40s to 60s. Yes. Those statistics show that women are pursuing the education route extremely heavily and dedicating and focusing their time on education, how they're funding that you know, and their, or their lifestyles, um, I, I guess maybe different from what we went through, what I went through going to school. I also worked full time and worked a job on the weekends just to get through school and still live and have a little extra money. So that was my experience with funding and schooling and You know, maybe there's better programs out there these days to encourage people to go to college. I haven't done any research as to how that statistic came about. You know, what what are the reasonings for more women going to school? 
there's been this big push since 2010-ish, I would say, for females to get into STEM jobs mm. and occupations. Do you think that push might have a effect on one schooling opportunities to the lack of wanting to take up a job because you're going to be going to school? Yeah. Uh, now that you mentioned that, um, I guess I have been out of the loop for a while, but there is a greater push for women in technology. I think, like you said, since 2010, past 10 years, there has been a lot of grants, fundings, encouragement for women to get into science and engineering. I know the STEM programs. Um, I don't see it so much in construction and automotive, like service and repair. But yeah, like you said, a lot of science and technology. Yeah, I think things are changing. So I feel like I'm getting old. Things just weren't that way in my day. <laughs> right. And that's the day. Yeah, that's a part of what I was going to say about this is I believe statistically that it is young people who are, who are working less. Yes, actual stats, just to throw it out. Uh, the high point for the labor force for females uh, between the ages of 20 to 24 was 1999 at 73%. Since 2000, there has been a decline. And um, at the moment, they're projecting in 2024, we're looking at the percentage at 66.5%. It doesn't seem to be much, but 7% is a huge drop in 25 years. So we shared that same information with our interview with Ruby. What I've been thinking about since then was, one, is it based on the population is aging? So, so many more people are older than they used to be. And then I also wondered, is it like myself? I have a daughter who is 23 and I mean, she works her butt off, but I have definitely said to her, you're in school, you don't have to work this hard. I'll help you out, you know, because I went through what I went through and busted my tail like Shar's done and, and Krisha, I think like you've done. And so like, is it also because we, our age generation are, are telling these younger age, you know what? You don't have to kill yourself working full-time, going to school full-time. Like you can just take it easy a little bit here. Mm. Yeah, I can definitely relate to your point there. I think, you know, we're several generations into family and history where there might be more support financially, uh, whether it be forced by living in the same home, uh, generational homes. I think there's been an increase in families living together and staying together longer, A, financial purposes, and B, for support. Cost of daycare, I was working and going to school. Uh, my daycare and my mortgage check, they were the same dollar amount. They were both $1,200. I wrote a check every month for... <laughs> for each one. And, you know, those costs, those are, you know, back in the 2000s and I'm sure they haven't gone down. They so there might be more family support. So I'm just going to bring you back to uh, when I brought up the STEM jobs and stuff like that. Hmm. How, how do you feel that, you know, since the mid, you know, 2010, that there's been a big push in STEM occupations and jobs with females, but there's been a lack of uh, discussion, talk, or, you know, opportunities to, to open the doors for females within automotive, construction, uh, mechanical 
um, engineering kind of areas. I guess I don't really pay much attention. And whenever I see there's an opportunity to encourage somebody to get into the trades, I do, because I know it was, uh, it's, it's just, you always have something to fall back on. It's a good thing to have. I think it teaches good discipline, especially when you're young, you got a lot of energy, you got a lot of strength and a lot of the labor trades can be flexible, whether it be construction, road construction, roofing, framing, you know, automotive, lane service, uh, jiffy lubes, anything of that nature. Yeah, I guess right now, now that you say that, it makes me a little upset that they're not getting encouraged as much as the computer science data analysts. I think there should be a push for it because, well, women are just awesome. <laughs> Sorry, I made you upset. <laughs> it's not fun about you being upset that you, you know Krisha pretty well, but you don't really know me. My special skill is to turn everything into a really great idea. So guess what? You could start pushing that. You could create that whole program for elementary and high schools and say, here's how I blaze the trail and girls, let's go fix cars. Yes. Yes. I've always had a dream. There's a couple of friends that asked if I'll put on a know your car class for women only. And of course I will. I would do that anytime, but it's not like you can just go and rent a classroom for this. You kind of need a service garage, you know? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's a little different platform. I need a vehicle, I need a hoist, I need a, you know, somebody to let me have students work on their car. There's <laughs> <laughs> just a little more extra liability rather than a couple chairs, table and a, a marker board. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just uh, like you said, that that is, is, is a great segue to, um, it's, it's probably something I would maybe, hopefully some fruit will come of this and there are other women um, that are in my position. Um, that have been in the service trades there for a long time and, you know, that I would be compatible with. That's a little tough when you're, when you're female and, uh, you're an alpha and you're in a male dominated trade, you're just very individual. Um, so collaborating is, you know, something that I'm not, I, I guess I'm, I'm good at, but, um, it would take the right person to collaborate with, to. Uh, make sure we have the same motive as to why we would want to encourage people, um, you know, to get into the trades or, or how we would go about that. Hey, Nicole, I think you did find something. Oh, I did. Like, that's what I'm saying. I don't want to do the work behind it and I can't really give anything else, but you can do it. And anytime you need me to encourage you, I could do that. Okay. Uh, you're a great encourager. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Yes, she is. <laughs> Has you know, anybody got here, Krisha? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, I will say, though, I'm also, I did a quick Google, my favorite thing to do while, while you're talking. And there's like a few, like there's a handful of summer camps for girls. And I guess I'll give a, a little plug to one that I don't know anything about. So like, that's my disclaimer, because it'll end up on, on the show. Toolsandtierras.org is an organization that uh, supports women in construction. And the first thing you see when you go right to their site is this sassy princess girl with a tool belt on, like jobs don't have genders. Mm, yeah, that's funny. I would never use a tiara in any of my punchlines. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's I, for exactly I, what I'm talking about. Like no tiaras. But, but it's um, a own paradox. Like it's like, yep, this is, yeah. And I get it. I get why you might not, again, not necessarily promoting that particular program, but there are a few out there. So it's a step off point. 
I would do my research and see if they're nonprofit or for-profit. That's where, like I said, the motives would have to be there. Uh, what is your intention? Is your intention to teach or is it to, you know, get a bunch of people to sign up and make a, a quick buck? Mm -hmm. I guess I like to be intentional in what I do. And I wouldn't want something put together for women and then taught by male. That's the other thing is, you know, who's teaching these classes? You know, who, what are your credentials? What's your background? I do have to share an experience I had that most women have that I've never had. Being a female mechanic, I've always done my own work on my vehicles. And when I was working with the CNC company, I had a company vehicle and I was responsible for getting the oil changed, you know, having the tires done, getting the maintenance done. And the first time I brought my vehicle to a Jiffy Lube, I pulled up and I'm like, what do I do? I felt so dumb. And I'm like, this is what people go through all the time. When they pull up to a service garage, they get like scared. I'm like, am I supposed to pull up to the door? And then I pull up to the door and the door opens and they start waving me in and I see a big pit and I'm like, you want me to drive over that pit? And I'm like, okay, but does everybody do this? <laughs> right, like that? <laughs> Yeah, so, you to yourself and see what you're expecting others to do. Is, right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was definitely that. And then they tried to sell me, of course, light bulbs, wipers. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know this one. Uh, no. <laughs> and fun for you, because I always am like, my husband's a mechanic. <laughs> and they're like shut up lady like they don't say that but you know that's what they're thinking right. um no i don't need to do that my husband's a mechanic and they're thinking why the hell is this thing broken then well, why are you here <laughs> <laughs> but you were like no man i got it this is just a company vehicle oh <laughs> right. well, yeah and they see company vehicle and they're like oh i'm sure we can sell them anything i'm like why are you selling me light bulbs is one out oh no but they're at that age where they're probably gonna go out and i'm like what Wow. Wow. I didn't know there was an age on light yeah. bulbs. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. About that time where they where they're, you know, they're probably gonna go off. I do want to bring it back to the tools on tier. At the very beginning, we were talking about perceptions. What do you think about that? Why do we need to have a tira with a tool belt? Why can't it be overalls or something? Mm-hmm. My point exactly. Um, I think you get the point while well, in looking at somebody or yeah, just kind of however you market it. When I introduce myself to a new crew, I would always say, you know, I, I look different than every other service supervisor you've had, but just give it time and you'll see that I'm just another, I'm just another manager. Um, and I understand where you are, where you've been. I've been a mechanic and I explained a little bit of my credentials. I think you know, eliminating that gender bias was very important for me. I always instilled, you know, take me for who I am, not what I look like. Putting an a gender identity on something such as your business name, you know, being a woman-owned business, that would be something I would register as. But like I said, a tiara and tool belts, I would not want my tool belt associated with my tiara, and I don't have a tiara. But yeah, I just don't think... I don't think that's funny, but maybe I'm a little serious at times. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if it was supposed to be funny. I think you should look at the website. I think it's kind of proven a point more than anything. 
Also, I'll just throw out there. I want you to know that I would totally wear a tiara. Just so you know, like, I think it would be fun. I have a friend that made me put a tiara on. She goes, every time you put it on, you smile. And I'm like, whatever. Yeah, because it has nothing to do with what you can do or who you are. It's just like fun to wear a tiara. Okay. I'm going to get one for Trisha. Uh, no, I don't no. think she would wear it. No. Yeah, I don't no. think she could. Yeah. No, I won't. Oh, well, we had an idea once where the podcast was going to be something that made us uncomfortable. So there you go. You found it. What would you say to women or men out there who are questioning women in the type of role? Well, thank you for having me. My two cents, I don't know whether it's valuable or not to anybody, but I hope that anybody listening, male or female, just really understands that being in a non-traditional field has its challenges, uh, but at the same time, it has its rewards. I'm very happy and proud of what I've done my whole life. I'm glad I've been in the trades. You can really make good lasting relationships with the people you work with. I think it's important to look at people for what their skills are. We all have different skill sets and see what we can do to work with each other and encourage, you know, see where we can help out. Uh, in one way, and then, you know, how we could help teach the next person um, and encourage other non-traditional roles, because just because they're non-traditional doesn't make that mean that they're not right. It's just that they're non-traditional. And if you're interested and you have, you know, skills that you feel would be valuable in the mechanics trades, then go for it. Thank you. That is that is very well said. And thank you for spending all of this time with us talking. I definitely heard a, a perspective I may not have known. And I, I do think there's value in what you said. And I think that if we get listeners, there'll be a lot of people who can benefit from this. Thank you for your time. And Krisha, anything? Thank you for giving us your perspective on your work, on your occupation. When you open up your shop, I'm, I'm going to be sending my Volvo to you. Just all what I ask is don't put up the cost. Just treat me fair. Yeah, I'll give you the family discount. All right. Well, thanks again. It's been a blast. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging in with us for another episode of Perspective Paradox. We hope you enjoyed Shar's story of her perspective on being a woman in a traditionally male career. And we hope we'll catch you here next week where we have another guest who's much cooler than we are and you'll get a chance to step into her shoes.